There is a balance to the universe. The struggle to maintain that balance is the stuff of legends. <laughs> the new film from the director of Alien. I found my true mate. You disgust me. Starring Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. Legend. Rated PG. Well, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. That was a quick, quick little uh, mini trailer there. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yes, indeed. Yes, Me and this movie have a past. Good. Okay. I'm glad to. I'm. Uh, I'm excited to hear all about it. Everybody out there listening, my name is Pete, and I'm Scott, and, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. Well. Just us today. Yes, no guests. Again, just us. Talking know. about one of my favorite fantasy movies from the 1980s. Yeah. You you absolutely dig this movie. You know how much I love this movie. You've loved this movie for a long time. We watch it every year. We just bought a brand new, lovely, uh, physical version of this. Mm-hmm. What did we watch? Though? We watched Legend, directed by Ridley Scott, released December 13th, 1985 in the United Kingdom, and then... April 18th, 1986, over here in the States. And I have to say that because Love there are two or maybe three versions of this movie. There are actually mm-hmm, three. Mm-hmm. There is the international cut that was released in Europe. There is the United States cut, yeah, obviously released here. Yeah. And then there is the director's cut. Right. So I kind of have to specify which cut released in what year. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, much like... I feel like a lot of 80s movies, movies around this time kind of had that uh, had this happened to them, but definitely Blade Runner is another one that a that lot of famously, Ridley Scott movies. There's yeah, multiple cuts of a lot of his movies all over town. Yeah. Most famously, Blade Runner, multiple cuts, and then yeah. they finally settled on the final cut in 2007. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, like Kingdom of Heaven has a longer cut that's supposed to be better. I have not watched it yet. I bought it, but I just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. The Counselor that came out a few years ago in 2013. There is a, a a director's cut of that movie. Gladiator has one. So Ridley Scott likes to go back and tinker with his movies. Right. And uh, non-Ridley Scott, but 80s epic, you know, sci-fi fantasy movies. Oh, yeah. Dune uh, famously has multiple cuts. There's a television version. Uh, there's an extended version. Um, famously credited to director Alan Smithy after... Mm-hmm. Uh, after David Lynch took his name off of it, Alan Smithy's the fake director name that you can put on your movie. I don't think you. you like, I don't think this. Alan Smithy has been used in a movie for quite some time, probably since like 1999. Right. It's right. been a while. Yeah, it has definitely been a long time for that one. But I mean, it's there, and it was. We found it the other day when we were looking at our uh, Dune DVD, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't even believe this!" But yeah, I mean, this movie has many, many versions. We watched today the theatrical cut. We have to do the theatrical one for the show because it is the one that I grew up on. It was the VHS tape that I had of this movie. Of course, it was the theatrical cut because you really couldn't see the director's cut or the or anything remotely resembling the international one until the DVD release, summer of two thousand two. Well, Which, also the theatrical 
release has the Tangerine Dream score. Yes. That's another way you can tell which version mm-hmm. that you're watching. If it's this like spacey new age Enya esque. I think I like, think score. the Tangerine Dream score is so fucking cool. It is cool. It's mm-hmm. very cool. I do feel like I'm um in a spa and I'm about to get a nice rub down when I'm listening I have it to in it. my iTunes and I listen um, to it a lot. Yeah, it is kind of that quintessential eighties synth score that uh so many like uh netflix series and mm-hmm. and like thriller movies you know currently are trying especially to especially for this time um they're uh, it's def- they're, those those movies that are trying to rip off that 80s synth score it's this yeah you know when when you listen to it it's mm-hmm. it's um it's like fl- wi- woodwind instruments that are completely digital and you were saying it's, that <laughs> this is all done on like a keyboard well it's it's a synthesizer yeah and uh, i mean if it you know if you really want to get into like what an 80s synthesizer is remember ferris bueller mm-hmm. like when he was making the throw up vomit sound? oh sure 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 it's a yeah. keyboard you know mm-hmm. and what they do is you know they program in these sounds that they that they create or that they sample they'll sample a flute sound and they'll put it in there and they'll digitize it or you know i am not a musician uh, I'm not a digital, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Well, it's artist. cool that on our Aero Factory Blu-ray that we just got, that um, I think that they're, I think that they're a band from Canada called The College, and they do synth scores, and uh-huh. they did the big song that was used in the movie Drive, and okay. they they have a little bit talking about how cool the score is and how right. it like really furthered. Like that little niche of music in yeah. the '80s. Well, the cool thing about Tangerine Dream. Uh, theatrical scores is that they are uh digital they are synthesized but they don't feel like and scott you know what i'm talking about listeners sorry but the princess bride oh that score is garbage mama (laughs) like it doesn't ruin the movie at all just because the princess bride is great but i really hate that but it's a digital score and it sounds like it's made on like a like a you know dell computer mm-hmm. or like what were those computers that you could only buy on like over the phone and they would get delivered and the the box is a cow print oh my Listeners, god you, was it a gateway gateway yeah <laughs> yeah gateway it sounds like it was made in a gateway computer a computer that i have not Windows thought of in 95 years. you know uh this sorry the score for the princess bride is not great it's digital and it sounds digital yeah and, None it, and the, it makes it sound super dated and they're you but the thing is the the instruments they are trying to emulate are these brass instruments, horns, things like that, to give it this medieval times kind of a feel, mm-hmm. to get these like horned instruments and trumpets and things like that, to give it that like princessy sword and sorcery. Not even sword and sorcery, like medieval times feel. Yeah. This movie, they're not going for that feel with this score. They are going for a dreamy, you know, kind of. Very ethereal. New, new age, mm-hmm. ethereal, Enya-esque. You know, I get a lot of, and this is going to be completely out of the blue, but I get a lot of uh, L.A. Story and that score, but L.A. Story heavily uses Enya in their sure. score. And <laughs> so I that's believe why, that's that, why I that um, when this movie didn't test well, we, we can get into it more when we talk about just the various cuts of this movie and the sure. trouble productions, mm-hmm. that they kind of wanted a younger audience, the MTV generation. Right. And Tangerine Dream had just done the score for Risky Business. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, speaking of Risky Business... Tom. Tom. Our Tommy. I mean... <laughs> 
I mean, I have mixed feelings about Tom Cruise, but this is like well, my favorite era of Tom Cruise. I mean, can we just say right off the bat, this is pre-Scientology Tom Cruise. Yes. So, it was pre-marriage yeah. to Mimi Rogers. To Mimi Rogers. Yep. <laughs> she sucked him in. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's And also, uh, Mimi Mrs. Rogers, like, I don't think was a Scientologist for very long after. I Did think she, she leave right I afterwards? think she peaced out pretty she, quick. She gave them their messiah. Yeah, she, she gave them like, their messiah and out. was like deuces. Kick rocks, suckers. Well, I mean, they got him, but not at, yet at this point. Um, this is... Maybe this, 21 years old when yeah, he made this movie. I was going to say, this movie is released in 1985, and Tommy, our Tommy, Rosie's Tommy, I mean, he just looks like a fresh spring chicken. Mm-hmm. I always thought, to me, like growing up, for me, this movie seemed old. Older even than Risky Business. I could see that. Yep. Excuse me. Like, when I would watch this movie and see Tom Cruise, I would think, well, this has to be his first thing. Yeah. This, to me, looks like it's 1982. But, I mean, I think, it was released in 85. Like, all the so. right moves in Risky Business were probably, like, 83 and 84, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, in 1985, Tom Cruise would have been 23. He was born in July of 62. What year did The Outsiders so, come out? So when the, he, they were making this movie, he was probably about 22, which is very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like a baby when you, he looks when like, you watch it, he too. He looks like a child. The Outsiders was released. I mean, Taps was 81. Outsiders was 83. Sure. Uh, losing it, 82. Uh, the Risky Business and Outsiders are both 83. And he looks very young in The Outsiders as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I mean, and then All the Right Moves was also 83. He had three big movies in yeah. 83. But in this movie, you know, he is running around in this tattered t-shirt and no pants. No pants. The entire yep. time. And I mean... <laughs> looks like a looks like a gay twenty two year old going out in West Hollywood going as a knight and just feels like he has to slut it up a little bit yeah. by not wearing pants. I'm just gonna wear this little panty, a little green panty mm-hmm. and like a tunic that's kinda tore up. And looks great doing it too. It's sh- shit. Well, first of all, it's his old teeth. Yeah. Which I love. You get those old chompers he's before they capped like, him. He's got like these Count Dracula like fangs going on but i kind of but i kind of like that that he does look a little less perfect in this movie which Mm -hmm. makes him a little more relatable absolutely um especially because the next thing is top gun and in top gun he just i he just looks like he's molded i don't remember what the teeth situation is in top gun but i'm assuming that he got him fixed right before yeah i think he did um because i mean top gun is just like he is just the idea of this like you know all American matinee idol, right. yeah, absolutely. and also directed by Ridley Scott's brother. So he sent Tony. he sent Tom yeah. uh, Tony's way. R.I.P. Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. But to- I mean, we we're going to talk a lot about Tom Cruise in this movie, this costume, this performance. But I have to say, he is pantsless the entire time. Mm-hmm. As you great know, leg muscles too. That's what I'm going mm-hmm. for right here. You He's know? definitely been doing those calves. Well, the thing is, exercises his co-stars in this movie besides Mia Sarah who is gone for most of the movie his co-stars are little people or a very tiny little boy so he is down on his haunches the whole time and Tom Cruise is not a tall man no he's not but he is down on his haunches the Mm -hmm. whole time so he can match their level their eye level and be all in the same shot together and so he's down crouched down like I said on his haunches and you just see 
you know, these like crazy leg muscles. Mm-hmm. You see a couple of upskirt shots sure. just because of the way he's positioned. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, wandering eyes, I got to tell you. I mean, you, they definitely Tom, I Tommy. mean, they definitely did have some like dance bloomers on. Yes. Uh not quite not quite a dance belt, but just a little, you know, a little just a little panty, a little, you know, a little brief. They call them bloomers in like the cheer world. <laughs> yeah, a little brief. Um and he is uh his characters Jack just the first of how many times has Tom Cruise played a character named Jack? Countless. Mm-hmm. Countless. But this is the first Jack that Tom Cruise has played, I believe. I'll have to go back and look at those other ones. But his character is Jack, and he is this green Wood man Sprite, of the forest. Green man of the forest. I know that sort of in the script development, there was talk that they were just going to make him green. Mm-hmm. And then probably the makeup guy was like, I don't know if that is going to work out all that well. Right. Um Green Man of the Forest is like a literary. Is it? Trope? I'm sure it's from like nor like Norwegian folklore or somewhere in Europe. Yeah, you the, know this man that lives in the forest and sort of looks after all of the creatures. Yes, and the interesting thing is that you know Jack, this character, this Green Man of the Forest, you would think he has some a little bit in common with like Puck, mm-hmm. but then we also have. The Gump character, who yes. we'll get to in a minute, but I keep, want to keep talking about Tommy for a second. You know, he's just—he's described at the beginning as he, you know he lives by himself and he just interacts with the animals of the woods. He has sort of an on and off thing with this princess, Princess Lily. Yes, who his side piece, depending on what version you're watching. Oh, she's not always referred to as a princess. They didn't call her a princess in this one. Yep, only in the director's mm-hmm. cut. I think is when uh, her like milkmaid. Yeah, calls her Princess Lily, and this one she just just calls her Lady, Lady Lily, Mia Sarah, Sloane, Sloane Peterson. I mean, I'm assuming that she would have. I'm assuming that <laughs> I'm assuming that she would have had to make this right before Ferris Bueller, probably back to back. Yes, uh, I believe the math says that Mia Sarah was about 16 when she made this movie. Whew. Yes, young, crazy, very, and very probably young. they could just work her for 10 hours in the UK. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure how mm-hmm. the hell their like laws worked at the time or over there, but yeah, um, very very young when she made this very beautiful Sloane Peterson uh, later of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which we love. Um, mm-hmm. Her acting in this movie, well, I mean, all the acting is very heightened, very yeah. stylized. This movie is very stylized. Okay, so I was going to say at the top of the show that this is one of those movies that I loved when I was a kid. That I sort of have these blinders about stuff like the story. Right. The acting style. Right. That I'm, I've seen this movie since I was like yeah. nine years old. And it's yeah. everything that I just take for granted that yeah. when you go into this movie blind, it is bananas. It's, it's wild. Uh, mm-hmm. this, the story is like super simple. So paper thin. I mean, so it's a classic, simple. it's a classic fairy tale. Yeah. Almost to a fault that yeah. it is so transparent when it, yeah. when you look at it yeah. as a story. <laughs> yeah. It is very episodic. I didn't think about that uh, until we we're watching, you know. Well, it makes this great sense arrow that video. when you look at sort of the develop the development of this movie with mm-hmm. the screenwriter yeah. that probably his first pass at this script was like Lord of the Rings epic, yeah, and they just had to scale that shit down. Yeah, that and I'm this sure is what we Scott, can afford. Yeah, we can't have an army of goblins. We we'll can have, do about we'll three. We can do about three or four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and same thing yeah. with like, um, like 
the crew with Gump that mm-hmm. we can do we can do a, a few gnomes. We yeah. can't do a lot. Yeah, we can yeah. do two really well. Yes. Um, I mean, talk about budget. This shit. These forests. It's a movie that leads <laughs> with its art direction, which I love. Insane. This is a movie where you can really tell. Oh yeah, Ridley Scott came from commercials, and not mm-hmm. just commercials. 80s commercials where they were like, oh, we're going to give you a Coke commercial. Production but it is value. It's going to look like a goddamn movie. Production value, yeah. honey. Yes, bitch. These shots in this forest. Oh, are insane. Absolutely insane. It's, it's, um, it's hard to believe that it's all indoors, but then at the same time, when you find that out and you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't really see the sky. But and when it, I do, it's purple. But it doesn't come off as something that feels too set-bound. Right, too. right, It's right, right. very successful. Well, there's like a bear in like the first shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there yeah. is a bear batting a beehive. Love it. Off of a branch. Just these very picture... <laughs> These very just picturesque fairy tale images <laughs> yes. that really Scott was trying to hone in. Yes, absolutely. Um, su- super duper fairy tale. And, you know, when you see Tom Cruise in this costume, in this like tattered rags, he is giving you Jolly Green Giant Twink. He's giving you Jolly Green Giant Twink for sure. He's giving me Peter Pan, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Jolly Green Giant Twink, yes. Um,. Just like, yeah, a little forest woodland guy. His hair is amazing. Whenever I grow up my hair and it gets to be almost shoulder length, yeah. I get the Jack Mullet from Legend. Well, that's the thing. When that's you look at the back to, of it. That's his yeah. hair. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the ponytail was I think they gave him there. some extensions in the back, but yeah. that's his hair, though. Because yeah. ha- his hair in this movie, if you've not seen this movie, if you're not familiar with this movie, you have n- no reference and don't have a phone because... Uh, you live in Siberia. <laughs> um, imagine, like, um, imagine like the length of like uh, mid nineties, like James E. Hoff from Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine like Ozzy for when he was in um, Black Sabbath, like that kind of like. And you've told me that I look like James from Smashing Pumpkins when I grow up my hair too. Uh. Your hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just that, like, straight... It's like when a guy who has straight hair grows it out and doesn't cut it at all. It's just that that really cool... The weird layers. Like, yeah, layers. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, in the back, there's just a weird little ponytail coming yeah. out of the back. So, it's it's very interesting on, on Tommy. But um, And then Mia Sarah is in a very classic... Princess, classic, fairy princess, fairy princess Halloween gown. costume. Yes, actually, yeah. I, I shouldn't say Halloween costume. No, it yeah, it yeah. doesn't look cheap at all. Yeah, no, definitely. Nothing it's in this Halloween. movie looks cheap. Right, um, but then so you see these beautiful visuals, this amazing forest that they built from the ground. I mm-hmm. mean, when you look at this and you look at Fangorn Forest in Lord of the Rings, you're like, okay, Lord of the Rings, that's a set. This is like amazing. It's complete. Mm-hmm. It's night and day. Um, and and Lord of the Rings, Fangorn Forest, that was a amazing feat of movie making. Yeah, right. But it just, I don't know, something about the scale in this movie. I just think that they, you know, I mean, they famously it's those used... giant trees that do it. Yes, 
in those shots. And they famously used the biggest sound stages in England. It was the 007 stage. The 007 they stage. had the big submarine yeah. set on is from it one of the Bond movies. Shepard and Studios, or is it at the other one? I think it's a Pinewood. Pine, it's a Pinewood. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the biggest stages in, in England, the, the James Bond, the 007 stage. So they're able to make this huge scale, right? So these trees are epic. There's like a full waterfall, all this crazy They had crap. to go from like summer to winter. Yes. With all of the fake snow. Yes, that's part of the, part mm-hmm. of the story. But then, um, you know, you get this super heightened, almost fairy tale theater acting. Yeah. Out of not just the two. Well, here's the other thing. Like you said, not a lot of characters in this movie. And aside from Jack and Lily, there's only one other human character that speaks. Are you talking about Gump? No, the, I'm talking about the milkmaid. Oh, the milkmaid. Like sure. a human oh, sure. lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. else is like, because you know, Gump is like woodland a woodland sprite. Yes. Gump is Puck. Puck. Right. Yeah. Oh, I guess the sprite is uh, Una. Yeah. Fairy sprite mm-hmm. pixie. Yep. Yeah. Um, Gump is like a Puck kind of you know Midsummer Night's Dream character. He's he describes himself and it's very much like it's almost like Jack. Like I live in the woods. I'm a you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the only other human non like whimsy character is this milkmaid. I forget her name. Her relationship with Lily is very interesting. That Weird. she just goes and visits this uh, this woman in the forest, this peasant coming from the palace. But right off the bat, Lily's just like she's fucking up her laundry. Mm-hmm. She's talking shit to her. And all these her cookies inside cookies, you know, and the woman's just like, I think of you like a daughter. I'm like, you're fucking brat daughter. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, Lily's just, and, but in this sense, it would make more sense that Lily is a princess because yeah. she's just helping herself to everything. And she's just sort of, uh, she likes to go see how the other half lives. Yeah. But this, mm-hmm. but again, this woman who plays, you know, the milkmaid or whatever that lives in this like hovel. It's a Her, very cute, like, storybook cottage. Oh, it is. I would mm-hmm. love to live there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Probably a hovel to Lily. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it almost sounds like her voice is... Well, I think all of the, I think all the dialogue is Well, looped. everything is looped yes, because looped, shooting yeah. in that gigantic soundstage, there was probably fans blowing. Well, we probably got bad audio, so they did have to loop everything. Well, the reason that there's fans blowing is because in every shot, there's like... There's shit in the air everywhere. There's pollen and, you know, uh, dander and uh, what are the little flowers that you blow on? Dandelion, mm-hmm. you know, seeds. It's crazy. The asthmatic's worst oh nightmare. Oh, my goodness. I would, my eyes are watering Just working, working crew for that it. movie, if you have, like, yeah. asthma, must have been awful. Yeah. And the thing is, it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it reads really well on film. You know, film. Del Toro talks about it, you know, in the commentary for Pan's Labyrinth, that he just wanted this pollen in the air, and it just gives it this magical, otherworldly feeling. I could see she's... this movie being a big inspiration for Del Toro Ab- when he was making absolutely. something like Pan's Labyrinth, absolutely, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that pollen's there, and then, not only is there pollen everywhere, and like dander, there's glitter oh, flying around. The glitter budget on this movie... <laughs> Must have been like actual hundreds glitter. of thousands of dollars. If you think like Edward Cullen, oh my god, looks crazy with glitter. Just any shot of Mia Sarah and Tom Cruise in this movie. There are shots of them when they're when the light hits their skin, and they are like Tom Cruise is probably still finding glitter. Just yeah, in his crack and his like in to his the, ass to crack. This day, I mean, just 
throw some more glitter on it. Yeah, throw some glitter on it, honey. Like, yeah, it's it's amazing. The 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 glitter budget, like you said, is must have been through the roof. But um, yeah, so the the acting is super super duper heightened. But I mean, it's a it's an eighties it's an eighties fairy, fairy tale. tale. And also, I kind of wanted to discuss that yeah a little bit before we move on more with the story. I mean, nineteen eighty five is eighties fairy tale movie. Amy, Fairy tales and fantasy movies yeah. just had this boom in the 1980s. Yes. What yeah. like what do we get? We get stuff like Crawl, the yeah. Neverending Story. Yeah. I mean, Dune really isn't a fairy tale, but it's a but high it fits, it's a high fantasy movie. You know, afterwards we were getting mm-hmm. Willow, Dragon Slayer, Excalibur, Excalibur, Dark Crystal, absolutely. Return to Oz, yeah. Labyrinth, even things like Beastmaster, mm-hmm. you know, Dragon Slayer, uh, Lady Hawk. All these movies. Also, like Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This movie has as much in common with Conan the Barbarian as it does with Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. You know? It's... Yeah. The... Ev- everything... So the swords, Sort of the reason and, of that uh, wave of fantasy it. movies. I mean, it, it all just has to trace back to Star Wars, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. I would say so. Um... Yeah, because Star Wars was so much more than a sci-fi movie, you know. And Definitely, when you watch something like Crawl, oh, you can see the Star oh, Wars yes, inspirations yes, in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this a lot too with uh, Excalibur. But yeah, definitely, Star Wars. I think opened the door for because, like you said, the studio was like, "We want the kids to come to this." Yeah, and I think that's what because this movie is not a traditional children's movie at no. all. But I think too, like in the eighties, it was a little different. You know, mm-hmm. like you could make movies for different ages and, and sell them to kind of everyone yeah almost. and i think kids would go to movies like this and movies like like what the hell what the hell am i seven years old watching lady hawk and loving it yeah but we did oh, you know speaking of the princess bride score lady hawk is one of them that has a synth score that midi score, and i think yeah. it almost ruins the movie yeah totally. when you revisit it now yeah yeah but it's like things like that it's like what why why were we interested in movies like that that i don't know seem to me now i'm like oh, is this a little boring i don't know or it's like i was just re-watching a lot of the dark crystal when i was a kid mm-hmm. there is not one human in, in no. the dark crystal which yeah. is a big turnoff for a lot of people yeah that there are no actors in this movie yeah. but i mean nine-year-old me would just watch that yeah. movie on repeat it's puppets Everybody Taped loves off puppets. Everybody loves puppets. <laughs> and like the Dark Crystal sort of has the subgenre of like Jim Henson yes. puppet work too. Yeah, yeah. That sort of works on this whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's very interesting. I feel like movies out yeah, of the, what a moment. Movies out of the UK were definitely a little more um not adult and by any means, but a little less kitty mm-hmm. like movies out of the u.s there were definitely kit elements that were there for us to latch on to but like music kind of songs. a movie like dragon slayer if it were made if it were a complete u.s yeah. production would definitely be a little more family friendly yes then excalibur were, excalibur yeah. yeah yeah excalibur kind of john borman when he made that movie yeah. who did deliverance mm-hmm. wanted to make a lord of the rings movie yep. it fell through yep. Yep. so he just sort of had to settle with king arthur <laughs> yeah and also, yeah. uh, Excalibur and Legends share, share the same cinematographer, too. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Found that out today. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I definitely think... Um, I don't know that this movie right now, if kids would be super... in. Well, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, think I would recommend this to a ki- to kids. Mm-hmm. 
It's not like sexy or no, like, not no, at all. It's not. It's not any more violent than you know. It is less violent than Lord of the Rings for sure. Definitely less violent than like a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as scares wise, yeah, I think it's right up there with an Avengers as far as like scary monsters. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't feel like it would be marketed to. I don't know. I don't know how this. Movie I mean, would I be think received that. Today. Well, I mean, even at the time, this movie was not very liked. Yeah, true. And I think that Universal, who had the distributing yeah. rights in America, had yeah. a real hard time selling it, and that's why we got the. Under ninety minute Tangerine Dream right. cut of this movie right, right. that they sort of had to skim off the top of all of the scenes of the movie to just get a under ninety minute movie. So the version that we just watched, the theatrical cut, was under ninety minutes. I think it's under it 90 did minutes. seem really fast. Yep. It was very mm-hmm. brisk. And when we you, were watching it, and I was like, "We're already here." And when you watch the, <laughs> I was watching a little bit of the director's cut today. Yeah, there's no major changes of it, but just scenes are longer. Sure. That they cut some of the dialogue. Yeah. The editing, um, I think that the director's cut probably breathes a little better. Right. I think that right. when Ridley Scott first turned in the first cut of this movie, it uh-huh. was over two hours. Oh, wow. That I would have liked to have seen this movie released kind of not all cut up. Because yeah. I think that it would yeah. have been a little more embraced, at least, at least with, with critics at the time. Story-wise, might have been a little bit more cohesive. I mean, not that it's incoherent it's a pretty simple story it's a very simple story uh you know what i have to say about ridley scott movies growing up to me being kind of like a big movie watcher even Mm -hmm. as a kid and he makes like movies with a capital m well that's what i was gonna say to Mm -hmm. me as a kid i knew that ridley scott made alien Mm -hmm. right the first one and to me that was like that was a cool sci-fi movie but to me it was so much more heightened than you know even something like Star Wars, because I was like, this is a serious sci-fi movie for, yeah. like, grown-ups, mm-hmm. right? Scary. And, yes. And then, you know, hearing that he made this movie and then seeing it, I'm like, well, it's a fantasy movie with, like, unicorns and princesses and fairies, mm-hmm. but it's a Ridley Scott fantasy movie. So it is going to be quiet and not a lot of dialogue and long takes out. So I kind of expected... For it to ha- to be this kind of like almost like a grown up kind of a feel to it, mm-hmm. you know, just because that was the idea in my head of Ridley Scott as a director, right? Yeah, and um, it kind of delivers on that, but I do think it is very accessible, and especially if you do go out and just watch the theatrical cut. Yeah, it's, I feel like just watching it tonight, it was super brisk. It went by really. It quick. works. Yeah. It's the movie that I fell in love with as a kid. You know, yeah. I have an interesting story of when I first watched this movie. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you that I was probably in the second grade at the time. Uh-huh. And I remember this was summer of 93. Uh-huh. And I remember me and a girl, uh, it was uh, Yana Robertson. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of childhood friends of mine. I was friends what with up, their Yana? whole family. And... Um, we went to go see Jurassic Park. We were just dropped off there. Uh-huh. And we're, I mean, could you, I mean, that's, you were another, dropped off that, at the movie? I mean, that's another thing of just like dropping off <laughs> small children at the movies without an adult yeah. just to go see Jurassic Park. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing Jurassic Park. I mean, huge game changer in just Absolutely. movies when you're yeah. a kid yeah. that you had never seen anything like it. Yeah. And I remember getting back to her house and um, my sister was there, and they're watching a movie, and it was Legend. Okay. And we walked in right when I think that Tom Cruise uh, shot the chain with a unicorn 
and the unicorn was loose. And oh, you that's get the, like the And you get the big <laughs> showdown yeah. with Tim Curry and Tom Cruise. Yeah. And me just being, what the hell is this? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. What is this movie? Yeah. And then it ends... And I just don't really have, I mean, I can't like track this movie down of yeah. like, what were you just watching? Yeah. Like, how can I get a hold of it? And I think it took me until Yahoo Movies, uh, I would go onto Yahoo sure. Movies when yeah. I was a kid yeah. and just look up the filmography of Tom Cruise. Okay. And I just found it. Yeah. That it's legend. And then I think that I found the tape at my uncle's house and I'm like, that's the movie <laughs> that I saw when. Yeah. I got home from Jurassic Park and I took the tape and just would watch it on repeat. (laughs) Yeah. And then when I was in high school, the director's cut came out. Yeah. Or like the director's cut, the first DVD release came out. Mm -hmm. Mind blown. Yeah. That there is a whole nother cut of this movie. With different music? With different music. That's wild. That's something that, you know, director's cuts come and go. Movies have extended edition unrated cuts la, and usually la, it's like usually it's it. like two minutes or something exactly this movie yeah. adds on almost 20 goddamn minutes of the movie and to have a completely new orchestral score and i was so like, familiar with my tape yeah. that i'm just like oh that's not yeah that's not in my that's not in, in the original one mm-hmm, that's not there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just so i was so familiar with the dialogue and i also noticed that it's a different dub Oh, There's sure. different dubs like of takes. actors and yeah. takes different takes of their mm-hmm. of their readings. Yeah, you know, what, do you know what I do that with a, a lot of the time? I do Movie that, trailers? No, no, no. I do that when we're um, when we're going to bed and we put on The Simpsons and we watch it on Disney Plus, and I'll say that was cut from syndication. Yeah, that joke was cut from mm-hmm. syndication because I'm so you're used that to used to the television airings of The Simpsons because I would what tape them mm-hmm. and i had like 10 vhs tapes full of the simpsons so speaking of like <laughs> uh movies that were shown on television that yeah. i don't think that i caught this a lot on i don't think i ever cable at all when i was a kid yeah. but there's a little bonus feature of an alternate opening with an actor reading the insane well there's text. a really long opening crawl there is a really long opening crawl that is insane i mean when it's, you it's like break Blade, it down it's like blade runner yep. It's like Blade Runner. And we you're, clocked, you're thrown into these mm-hmm. movies that you're just like, what the shit is going and on? And that's definitely yeah. like a post-production studio tinkering yes, of that. Absolutely. Audiences aren't going to understand this. Yeah. We have to put a text crawl at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, they did the same thing with Blade Runner. Yeah. And we totally clocked James Remar yeah. is reading <laughs> yeah. the opening text, which yeah. is amazing. Randomly. I was just like, is that Remar? And you're like, I think it I is. Think that's Remar. <laughs> yeah. I think but I mean... That's Richard from Sex and the City. He would have been working... Well, he wouldn't have been working with Ridley Scott. It would have been Cameron. I was gonna. I was thinking of the Aliens connection. Yeah. Like he would have been making Aliens, almost in Aliens, uh, yeah. and then got let go. Yeah, yeah. So very interesting the kind of tie in there. But um, and that movie, all of the bonus features and um, documentaries that mm-hmm. it really just opened my eyes oh, about yeah. how much work was put into this movie. Yeah, I found out about the Double of Seven stage burning down yes. at the end of production yeah. that i think that it's I, I think it's the scenes where there's a little like forest fire and they're yeah. all dancing around it sure and just embers were collecting yeah in the rafters and getting hot, hot and hotter, just getting hotter, really yeah. hot and yeah. it just caught on fire one day well they also tell stories about this forest set being so big and vast that birds birds and, and mice mice and, and rabbits yeah. would just live in it yeah they would just because you know these sound stages have these huge airplane hangar doors mm-hmm. to open up to allow things to get 
in and out. So when they're they would like, open great. up these doors, you created this wonderful yeah. environment for us. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. And now you're burning it down. Yeah. So maybe that maybe that giant beehive that that bear was fighting with was real. Who knows? Mm-hmm. A but, bear that just wandered in. Yeah. Into Pinewood. Um. So you want to talk about the production value of this movie? We need to talk about Tim Curry. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, one of the most iconic movie makeups ever. I mean, ever. I the mean. Cre- like, the character design in this movie, and that's the thing, is that this character design is so ingrained in pop culture yes, yeah. that people don't even know what it's young from. people just know this image, and they don't even necessarily know what it's you from. You just think it's a, a stock footage... Devil. Devil. Mm-hmm. You think it's a Alamy photos. It kind of bothers me when people describe darkness as the devil in this movie yes. i want to correct them that he is darkness yeah he's the lord of darkness. he is lo- he is the, the lord, lord of, darkness. of darkness yep but he's not the devil mm-hmm. yeah i mean it has become so ingrained as just this image was it what was it like an insurance commercial what was that commercial where they got somebody oh, yeah. in the suit, and we're like, "What the shit is it's this?" Like, it's like a match. It's like an commercial, right? It's like a match. dot com commercial. Yeah, we'll find some images of that. And, and the makeup it. is it done is by weird. Rob uh, Boyton, and he did the thing. Okay. Yep. I think I he mean, was just coming off the thing. The makeup and the thing is mm-hmm. wild. Like what? Like just a household name if yeah. you're into movie makeup. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim Curry as the Lord of Darkness is very much like. Uh, you know, this Chernabog from Fantasia character. Mm-hmm. He's completely red. It is very... And it's all it's a little like Night on Bell Mountain, it's, Yes, too. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it's absolutely like Night on Bell Mountain. You know, he's, he's red. These horns. It's yeah. like a long... What are they called? Longhorn? Those steer? Yeah, it's like a steer. It's like a longhorn mm-hmm. steer. And they're pointed completely forward. It's like... I mean, it definitely like, r- runs with that imagery of a devil or satan yeah. being half like well his his animal e- his ears are like i love his little ears they're like cow ears his little his little cow ears i think are really cute they're like goat mm-hmm. cow they're huge they're not just like a little fairy little mm-hmm. mr spock ear no mama it's like a full on this man is like a bovine like he went to bovine university mm-hmm. he is like a full on this is a a biblical demon. Yeah, right? he's coming to you in your nightmares. Yeah, um, you know he's got he's got hooves, the cloven hooves, mm-hmm. and Tim Curry is wearing this like foot apparatus, and it's not just like the Lady Gaga Mother Monster. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the high heel that makes me walk like a horse. No, they're it's, hooves. It's like bigger. Are big that. hooves? They're huge hooves. And they said um, they, they said like in the documentary that I guess that Tim Curry really thought the the hooves were comfortable, like yeah, they were yeah. easy to walk in, just yeah. because they built them like a high heel. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't quite walking around on stilts; yeah. like he could he could easily maneuver around in them. Yes, um, probably very close to what was built for the for the fawn and Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. but. Even that used blue screen to kind of cover up. It was kind of arching. It was kind of arching like Doug's calf. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not just horns. It's not just ears and it's a face. It's his chest piece. It's his entire... And that's the thing, is that it's this frightening image, but it's also kind of sexy. I mean, he It's kind of hot. Why isn't he wearing a harness? Mm-hmm. He needs to be wearing a harness. He is a muscle queen, Jim Bunny... 
he's Lord at, of Darkness. He's at like Harness Night at the Eagle. Yeah, he and I he's mean, ready to. He's he he's ready to party. Poppers in his pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, this costume, this creature is like absolutely insane. It's it's nuts. And you've never before or since I don't think has there been like a full. I mean, this makes Hellboy look like. Yeah, a kid. This makes Hellboy look like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's great school. Yeah, yeah. It's compared com- to Legend. Yeah, it's completely. And I'm sure that's one of those level. things that they were going for when they were doing makeup for Hellboy. Absolutely, is that we want to make movie makeup look this elevated yeah. and iconic. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you watch it now, you're just thinking, well, now those horns wouldn't really. He wouldn't really be wearing those horns. They would just be like. Little nubbins, mm-hmm. and they would extend them digitally. And I think that's probably what they did for the for the newer Hellboy that came out. Yeah, well, Hellboy's horns are always filed down. Oh, There's, sure, sure, sure. There yeah. are some scenes where he has long ones, and those are absolutely 100 percent digital. And they said that the horns were very light. Well, they had to be very they were light. Kind of they these pointed, lightweight casts. They didn't mm-hmm. point up. They're not like little Jason Sudeikis devil horns. Like on a headband. They're like full on <laughs> like bull, like uh, Ferdinand the bull horns that mm-hmm. are like two feet going perpendicular to his body. So yeah. if they were anything other than hollow, he would completely fall forward on his face because there's so just the angle and all that. I think he still did get some like back and neck issues, not permanent, but I mean, he still had some, some pain from, mm-hmm. you know, from wearing them, but they were, they did make them out to be very, very, and he was light. wearing like a bike helmet too. That would just sort of, Probably. um, the headpiece is so big. The headpiece is so tell. built yeah. that it was like built into a helmet yeah, on his yeah. head. Yeah. And I think that the makeup, they said at the beginning when they were shooting, it would take about eight hours. Oh, my God. They couldn't even oh shoot a lot with them, too. Before he even gets mm-hmm. to set to shoot anything. In the middle of the night, probably. Eight hours of makeup. Probably call time was like 2, 2.30 in the morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sit in the makeup chair for eight hours. And if you're lucky, get three hours of filming. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that he's not in a lot of this movie. No, he's not. He's introduced. I mean, you see these opening the opening shots of him. And then yeah. you don't really get major, a major scene with him until Lily meets him, and it's maybe an hour into the movie. Yes. And I think it's because the makeup was that difficult yeah. that they just couldn't film a lot with him. Well, and, in the first scenes that we do see of him, he's sitting down. Yeah. He's in a chair, and he's, like, resting. It was his back up to the... You know, I love his I love his, his day-glow claws. Well, what's really cool his about day-glow those scenes, claws. Yeah. I think is, we have a clip of that scene, too. Okay, let's see. Must be dread indeed to trouble you, Lordship. Looking upon these frail creatures, one would not think that they could contain such power. One could rule the universe with it. You must find them for me and destroy them. What do they look like, Lord? Let this serve to remind you. The creature is crowned with a single spiral, reaching like an antenna straight to heaven. I get the point, Lord. So he's wearing a full set of teeth mm-hmm. underneath all this makeup. Um, so it's probably better that they went in, and he, I'm sure he just re-recorded all the dialogue, and then they pitched it down. Yeah. But it, you still get that Tim Curry voice. 
You uh, still can tell it's him. You that know? voice is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So good. It's insane that, I mean, we were just watching Clue the other night. Yeah. He made this and Clue the same year. Yeah. They were both released in 85. That is range. I yeah. think both released in December of 85. Yeah. So quite literally shot back to back. Yeah. Like, that is yeah. some range. Absolutely. Um, iconic. I mean, I mean, just like... Tim Curry, this unusual gay icon that I don't think it's ever been confirmed of Tim Curry's sexuality. Yeah. It really doesn't matter, but yeah. he just has this very unique place in gay film history yes. with like Rocky Horror. Yeah. And Ridley Scott said that when they were casting Darkness that he was thinking of Rocky Horror and that yeah. we really need someone that can go there in this performance and is completely fearless. Yeah. And he said he immediately thought of Frankenfurter. Yeah. What I love about Tim Curry is that he just has this like power in his voice. Yeah. Like you can tell that if you were ever to be in a room with him or see a performance that it would just be like loud mm-hmm. just because he's got that. He's crazy. He's delivering voice. for the back row. I used to love, um, the Fox kids, Peter Pan animated series. Is he Captain Hook? And he's Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was amazing in that. Yeah. So good. And that was James Marsden, Thackeray Binks, as Peter Pan. Yeah. That was on uh, Fox Kids in the afternoons in the 90s. I loved that. That was that was so good. And, and I mean, all of his performances are iconic. Um, and Nobody did the 1980s like him. Yeah. And just the thing about this movie, it's just like, not only is his, his performance acting-wise amazing, but he's doing it. All in this makeup. Underneath pounds of, you know, makeup. It's crazy. And it's like, wow. You know, ne- you never see anything like that anymore. And you never see this would be completely motion captured. Yeah, today. this would be completely motion captured <laughs> now. And I know that when like Jim Carrey was making the Grinch, you saw a lot of interviews yeah. with Jim Carrey saying yeah. how much work that makeup was yeah. and how yeah. it was too much at times. Yeah. And I haven't really ever read anything with Tim Curry complaining about the makeup. Yeah, yeah. That he just knew it was a part of the process. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was. I'm sure yeah. it was hell. I'm sure it was awful. There are mm-hmm. some stories in, you know, the trivia and on this about him uh, tearing off his skin, trouble taking the makeup uh-huh. off. It is a very long process. I think to get that it they off. had to put him in a bath to get it off to of dissolve him. the spirit gum to loosen. And I the think appliances from his skin. They tore some of his skin, and the doctor recommended that your skin needs to breathe a little bit, so yeah. you cannot film for like two weeks. Yeah. It was that uh, the old gold, the old Goldfinger. Yeah, your skin needs it, oxygen. You're you're like suffocating That's, with all of this makeup. Yeah, that shit is not a lie, in Goldfinger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you do need oxygen in your skin to breathe, or else uh, you will have trouble. Speaking of movie makeup, we have to give a shout out to Blix. Uh, Blix is played by Alice Playton, and you might remember Alice Playton's voice. She is the voice of BB Bluff from Doug. How about that? Yep, BB Bluff. Mm-hmm. Which character is she? Bibi. She's Bibi is like the rich bitch friend, yeah, and her dad pretty go. much owns okay. Um, Bluffington. Okay, so here's my thing with Blix. Blix is the head goblin. Mm-hmm. Darkness is like Darkness is henchman like number one. Does all the bidding for does him? All the bidding for him. He now, asks him to uh, cut the unicorn horn off in that yes. clip that we just listen to yes and i've read i don't know how true it is i've read that blix's face in character design was kind of modeled off of keith richard they mention it in the documentary that okay. that was a main reference okay so that's yep. probably true here's my other thing 
I did not realize that Blix was played and voiced by a woman. Mm-hmm. Is Blix a lady goblin? She could be. Maybe she's general Does neutral. Does it matter? Yeah, she's gen- yeah. she's a goblin. Are goblins she's, even born of? She's, do they have biological gender genders? Fluid. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think goblins are just pansexual. I think goblins are just sexless little creatures that kind of like forth. Lord of the Rings. Like they're created. They spring mm-hmm. forth from a hole in the ground. That you know, darkness is just like I need. I need minions. I almost kind of think that it's a character that works better performed by a woman too. Mm-hmm, and that's probably mm-hmm. what they thought because they needed somebody small. Yeah. So they just cast this yeah. like under five foot character actress. Yeah. Very good voice. Pro- and the interesting thing too is that the voice is completely modulated. It's pitched. Sounds cool. Almost pitched higher. Yeah. It's very interesting what they did. And so they didn't even really need it to be the person that acted the role. It could have just been – they could have just found a voice. But I mean they did use – her. She has this incredible voice, and um, she ended up doing uh, the ADR work for David Gump. Bennett, yeah. who is the actor who played Gump. Yes. David Bennett was a very small um, – I mean, he wasn't a child. He was over he 18. Was, he was 19. He was a young man at the time. But he looks about But he looked like a child. Yeah. Um, he was in a big movie in Germany a little bit before this called The Tin Drum. Did mm-hmm. you know that? I did, yes. And I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the Tindrum. I've and never it's seen it. Contra- controversy, yeah. Controversy mm-hmm. with the Tindrum because he again looked about eight or nine years old, but was grown. Mm-hmm. But he just his his body physically was you know kind of. And he didn't even have him. like a Gary Coleman disease that he just looked. Well, I don't think Gary Coleman really has anything. I think he just. Oh, okay, sure. I think Gary Coleman had kidney trouble. Okay, sure. And it just kind of contributed to Like over health reasons. And I don't even think David Bennett even had health reasons. He he grew up to be a very average looking adult. So he didn't always, like, he did grow up. Yes. I mean, he's still short. He's still short. Mm -hmm. He's still a shorter in stature um, adult man. Uh, But he did continue growing. At Mm -hmm. this point in his life, at 19 years old, he was still like four eight you know and they just thought well he's just going to perpetually look like a child for the rest of his life Mm -hmm. but eventually later on he did continue to grow and age into uh and mature and as an adult man now he looks mature and he did grow in height but still i think he's only like five one or five two he ended up joining a really successful theater company in uh europe too and david bennett is from austria Mm -hmm. and has a very thick accent very thick when they did a cut of this movie and the universal execs saw it yeah they were just like we don't like that gump sounds like a nazi that's what yeah. Ridley Scott said, yeah. is that he sounds like a Nazi. Yeah. We want to ADR's voice. Sub this voice and over. Alice um, Platon ended Blix. up doing yeah. the ADR work for him. Yeah. So, and the thing is, like you said, Blix's voice is very modulated to make her sound like this, you know, little goblin. And for Gump, she's just doing more. They, I don't think they sweeten it up at all. I think it's just a little bit more of her actual natural speaking voice. And she's putting on a little bit of an accent, but it's mostly just a, a, an English accent. And it's very, it's, and it's very interesting and kind of haunting when you see. We have a clip of it. We yeah. have a clip when um, you first see Gump mm-hmm. and Jack, and Jack is telling Gump about Lily meeting the unicorn and yeah. touching it. It's very interesting when you see this boy and then you hear this this vocalization coming out of him. I took Lily to see the unicorn. You did what? 
looks like malcolm in the middle a little bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he's another character that is just wearing like a little brief a little you know a little he-man brief Mm -hmm. and fairy ears and that's it and shoes and that's it and i mean yeah they're running around in snow it's all fake movie snow who knows what it's made of so it's probably not that cold in there it's probably actually pretty warm in that studio but i mean He's where he's got no shirt on the whole time. Jack's got no pants on. These characters are running around, yeah. half naked the mm-hmm. entire movie. Um, but I mean, just they're they're creatures of the woods. They don't need clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, me as a kid watching Tom Cruise run around. I mean, he has like a buckskin that they give him. I'm just like, is Jack not like freezing his nuts off? Well, he yes, in he does. Forest? He does eventually find armor, which is like a chainmail. You know, uh, tunic with what, like what kind leather. of armor? What kind of armor is that? It's you mentioned a, that the other it's night. It's scalloped armor. Okay, it's a scalloped. Do you armor. think that it's like quite chain Richard? Do you think Richard Taylor? Oh, Richard Taylor from, from Lord of the Rings from Witcher Workshop. From Weta oh, this consultant it's, on this movie. It's me, Richard Taylor from the Witcher Workshop, and that is a scalloped armor. It's not a chainmail. <laughs> um, Speaking of Lord of the Rings, yes. Alan Lee, I think, did do. Visual. I think he was a visual consultant in this movie. I think he, at he the probably, early stages, early stages, yeah. he probably did yeah. uh, artwork for it. Yeah, I think in the early stages. Because what's interesting to me um, is that the makeups and the character design the designs in this movie um, are very big and broad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, characters like Blix, characters like Darkness and Meg Mucklebones are almost like uh, Meg Mucklebones. Yes, we'll get we to her talk in a about minute. her. They're almost like. Whole masks that go over the Well, face. I think that for... I don't even know if they're like gnomes or dwarfs yeah. or whatever. Like, what is the term for them? Mm-hmm. But Billy Barty, oh, I think Billy he Barty. is wearing so a cute. version of a mask. Well, but I don't know. Well, I don't know. But you do yeah, see Billy Barty's see features, a though. a lot of his face. You see more of his face in this than you see in uh, Masters Billy of the Barty, Universe. like... Little person icon. Well, of the I 80s. mean, the eighties was a big time for little people. In they movies, got a lot of work, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's like um, now Peter just shrink them down. Now it's just like Peter Dinklage <laughs> is just taking up all the roles. <laughs> if they even use an actual mm-hmm. little person, yeah, because that's what the they movie. did in Snow White and the you Huntsman. Know, you, they usually, did facial replacements for them. Even 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 the hobbits, you know, they and and the dwarfs and that they're just average sized actors that they just kind of shrink down yeah i don't know i mean kind of going off that we had always heard with george lucas that he wanted to make the hobbit yeah couldn't get the rights to it so he just so he wrote willow he just wrote willow (laughs) yeah and that's his hobbit yeah and he used little little people people. yeah yep a lot. He used like like so many and oh and like willow has billy barty tony cox yeah and I mean, it's uh, Warwick Davis is like, oh yeah, he's like the hardest working little person in show business. He has an entire like, um, I think he's an agent for. Little I people. was going to say he's yeah. got an entire he stable. Find work. Yeah, he's got a whole mm-hmm. uh, company of where he represents 
you know, actors. Um, but yeah, the 80s was a great time. I recommend going out. And Scott, you still haven't seen Time Bandits. I have not seen Time Bandits. Terry yet. Gilliam. Is Billy Barty in it? You know, he's not because it is. He a, should be. it's an all-British cast. He should be. Um, it's an all-British cast. So we do have... Um, Kenny Baker, who's R2D2. Sure. Uh, R2D2. Uh, I'm sorry. And also, um, Deep Roy is in this movie. Deep Roy is in this movie. Um, no. Sorry. It is not Deep Roy. It is Kieran. Oh, is Kieran. Kieran sure. Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kieran Shaw is, uh, he was Elijah Wood's uh, scale double in. The Lord of the Rings. I love those shots in Lord of the Rings where you can where you can really see the scale doubles. I love all of those when you can tell mm-hmm. when you can tell that it's and it's crazy the when they're wig. when they're wearing like a mask. The full mask. the full mask is insane. Why? And yes, we're that familiar <laughs> with Lord of the Rings. We watch it that clock, much I can that we can it. clock those shots. Yeah, you can clock in the mask. You can clock the little wig from behind. Kieran Shaw is. Uh, uh, is he Indian? I, he's he's Southeast Asian. Okay. I don't know if he's sure. Indian or if he's from Sri Lanka or what, but he's Southeast Asian, so he has dark skin. And they completely cover him in, you know, this white makeup because he's Elijah Wood. So he just looks crazy. So, yes. Yeah. So when he's not wearing the Elijah rubber mask and is just Kieran face with the white makeup. You never see that on screen, but mm-hmm. you do see it in set photos and behind the scenes footage. And as we know, Lord of the Rings has hours of behind the scenes footage. So there's tons of it. It's and became very crazy. close with all of the actors. Oh yeah. Yeah. They all, mm-hmm. yeah. Knows them all. And they all love, they all have great stories about Kieran Shaw and he is in, he's in this movie. He's in, uh, the never ending story, you know, yeah, he's all these the, actors. He's the around. guy that rides the snail in the never ending story. Yeah. So, um, you know, all these guys, they, they did the rounds in these movies. They had lots of, lots of opportunities at the time, but now with, you know, with CG and all that being so easy to just replace a person, they are just going with, you know, average size actors and movie stars and just plopping them in when in the eighties, when we needed to have somebody on set, there was an actual crew of, you know, smaller stature actors that made names for themselves, you know, and were great actors. Billy Barty has a really interesting story that when you read his Wikipedia, that he was a, he was in the bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) He's in the bride of Frankenstein in a cut scene. And we talked about that in our Halloween episode. And, um, he's like Hollywood, man. And also what, what religion is it that you can't have any medical attention? Oh, is he like a, uh, 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 yeah, not Scientology, but Christ Scientist or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I, forgot, I, think I so. forget what it's called. Yeah, I forget what it is. is. He one of those? I think so. Or was he Jehovah's Witness? Oh no, he was Jehovah. Okay, yep. mm-hmm. interesting. Mm. Well, we still love Billy Barty. He's great. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing in UHF. Weird Al Yankovic. That little, that, that little bitty Bart, that Lily, that little, little bitty Billy, Billy, Billy Barty voice. I love <laughs> his voice is so cool. I still laugh out loud at all of Billy Barty's scenes with um, who's the other little person? Oh it's yeah, Cork um, Brown Tom and Cork. It's Cork Cork yeah. Hubert. Yep, I love yeah. their little dynamic. Yeah, very funny, very funny together. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the the whole little crew of like uh the good guys and the you know, led by, you know, the gump who is, like we said, this puck kind of like character of the woods. Um there's also the fairy Una. Love Una. 
who is introduced in this movie as a light on a fishing wire. That's crazy that, <laughs> I mean, Ridley Scott and his crew were just dangling a little light with fishing wire. Yeah. Cost them no money. And now, yeah, that would just be put all in a post. Yeah. And it, and you can really absolutely tell that it's there. You know, mm-hmm. the way Tom Cruise is swatting it away and, and the way the light reacts to his mm-hmm. face. It's just, there's a little light and it's there. And, and I think it's really fun that, you know, in a movie like that, this fairy is represented by just a little light, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we get this thing where much like in Hook later on, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I can make myself big. Guess what? Yeah. And, and I love that Gump is just pissed. Like, bitch. Yeah. You could do this the whole time. You could do this the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they've had other adventures where this would have come in in handy. Mm-hmm. And you choose to re- like to yeah. reveal this now. Yes. And I absolutely love this actress that plays Una the Fairy. She just has this super ethereal British, very British Her name face. is Annabelle... Uh, Lanyon. Very British face, uh, but very ethereal. These like these like big eyes and they style her so cool. Just her like contacts this, yeah. those blue contacts yes. with the black. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like the unicorn beanie baby. <laughs> and she has those like iridescent fairy wings. She's also running know? around pretty much. Yeah. In a bikini. In a bikini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she is in full size and you see her, she's just in like a bathing suit with little strips of gauze, just like flouncing around. And these are, and, these and this wings. is the type of fairy that, I mean, it's just, I mean, is this very like turn of the century fairy of like the, the story of those yeah. British girls that did <laughs> the cutouts of the fairies, yes. like they found them in the woods. The cottage she looks yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, she does. Yeah. I think she looks kind of like a Brian Froud. Mm-hmm. Fairy. I think that Ridley Scott tried to get Brian to work on this movie, and he well, didn't get him. I was going to say... Probably because he was working on, on Labyrinth. Yeah, he was he was hard at work uh, with Henson. I mean, Jim Henson scooped him up mm-hmm. in the early, early 80s. I was going to say, I feel like Brian Froud has a very specific point of view with his character design. And um, it's a little bit more... Not elegant. Not that these characters are inelegant. But I feel like the creatures in this movie are a little... They're They're... Makeup appliances are a little heavier on their mm-hmm. faces. Um, but the Brian Froud creatures that we've seen are usually just puppets. So I don't know how that would yeah. translate to and a also Una's a face. They just put kind of beauty makeup mm-hmm. on her. And, and, a, a, and a lot of glitter. A lot of glitter. <laughs> a lot of glitter. We, we need to mention that. And that iridescent fabric. Yeah. her. I love that the just her little wings are just mm-hmm. that like iridescent. Yeah. You know. It's a really successful yeah. What is What is... Uh, what are the little fairies that are on the zip cord that flies into the fireplace? Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's um a, a yeah a sky dancer. Very that <laughs> a sky dancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we giving we me giving me a little Valentina on All Stars <laughs> when she's like twirling around. <laughs> oh man, the spinning. Valentina sky dancer. How is like I nobody? Live. How has nobody done like a legend runway? Well, and, what do you do? What, I mean, do you do Lily. You are obviously going to do Dark Lily, Dark Lady, Dark Lady, Lady. Okay, Dark Lady so Lily. we have to talk about that. Scene. <laughs> that I mean, yeah. I I mean, this was my favorite scene of the entire movie right, from the beginning of that scene when she's running through. She's since been brought yes. to Darkness's palace, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of noticing in this watch, it's a tree. Yes, it's a tree. It's a tree. Yeah, I love. I that. was looking at that too. I mm-hmm. I always thought it was a mountain, but it's a tree. Yeah. 
So she's running through the darkness just palace in slow motion just in slow motion looking <laughs> like stunning yeah very like 80s music video yes mm-hmm. but at this point she's wearing like a tattered yeah. version her gown of has the Lily her gown. gown is in like shreds and her hair is just down parted down the middle just kind of flowing behind her at the beginning she had that like um very like medieval kind of like a hair netty mm-hmm. kind of a thing uh, I think they called him like a cloche, like in the in the 40s or not a cloche, but the kind of like hairnet situation, you know, holding these huge like Deanna Troy curls, yeah, you know, together. But now she's just like running, and the curls are flying, and the hair and the, the dress is she's uh, run for your life, but make it fashion. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as um, as one Miss Tyra Banks would say. <laughs> but you know, and then she ends up in darknesses. Dining room, dining room. <laughs> with this fucking fireplace that is incredible. I mean, all of the art direction yeah. and set pieces yeah. and props in this dining room set are incredible. Yes. That they put so much work into the scene yeah. of how they dressed it yeah. that they had to have almost all of this custom made. You see scene. something different every time you watch. There's so much We shit were just noticing last night on, there on the is table. jello molds yeah. on the table. <laughs> But they're like black mm-hmm. and red. That Ridley Scott insisted, yeah. I want jello molds. Yeah. And they're like three feet tall and black. They made black jello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not edible at all. And then when she gets into this room and sort of she sees all of this sparkly shit, this yeah. is when the temptation is coming over. Yes. That she's starting to get like intrigued by everything that darkness has to offer. He's yeah. seeing all of the jewels. She's yeah. seeing all of like the she opens up like the jewelry box and it makes that cool noise and mm-hmm. she takes out that like necklace. Yeah. And then she sees the dark lady. Dark lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giving very I mean, I feel like this is the look that Kim Kardashian should have done oh. for them all. Like it would be a lot cooler ah. if it was a little more Okay. Like, We're doing a side by side. That we, yeah, dark we, we gotta do a side by side of Lily. the beautiful dark lady <laughs> with the black face and yeah. Kim Kardashian. I I mean and I don't mind the Kim Kardashian netball look. I think it's kinda of, I think it's successful. Dementor but chic. I think that it would have been cooler if they would have maybe be And need a little sparkle, throw some glitter on a honey. <laughs> it needed those beautiful, like, shoulders. Well, the collar. The collar. The collar is insane. So she does this beautiful dance with this dark lady. Yeah. And I love the piece of Tangerine Dream score. I think it is so beautiful. It yeah. is on my Halloween playlist. Yeah, yeah. I love to listen to it. Jerry Goldsmith's score piece of this, it's good. It's yeah. more of a traditional waltz. Yeah. But I prefer the Tangerine Dream cut of it. It's more like music boxy. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. dark, twisted kind of music box. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see that that cut of her turn into... Well, the dark lady uh, disco Dementor just kind of mm-hmm. like envelops her, like kind of hugs her. Yeah. And then she, now and then she's it, wearing the And then it cuts dress. away and it's her. Yes. And it is a fashion. Yeah. Fashion. I mean, this is like some Paris... Face. This Face. is like Beauty some Paris Face. runway shit. I love the hair. I think it's so clever that they They're put so cool. Mia Hera or Mia, Mia Sarah. Sarah in a bald cap, but they painted it black, and she almost has like sp- spaghetti strings yeah. coming out of her head. There's black tendrils, There's like black curls. tendrils, and almost like a veil. Yeah, and her hair are these little yeah. tendrils yeah. that are coming out of her. head. Well, she again has like this kind of medieval hairnet. 
thing on the top. Mm-hmm. And then she has like the Eddie Munster Widow's Peak mm-hmm. painted on, very Klaus Nomi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's very Klaus Nomi painted on Widow's Peak down her forehead. And then, I mean, we've got some uh, Sasha Velour. The unibrow. Full on painted in unibrow. I mean, I, I mean, I guess we can't cite this movie as making the unibrow fashion because Frida Kahlo had been a, <laughs> like, yeah. she had existed, so yes. that was around. She was alive. But I mean, I feel like, point. was this yeah. one of the first times where the unibrow was really embraced by, I mean, uh, you know, like fashion, movie and, costuming. And here's the thing, you know, Ridley Scott takes risks with fashion and definitely in something like blade runner yes that he insisted on sean young as rachel that we're gonna dress her up like a movie star from the 40s we're we're dressing her up like mildred pierce we're gonna dress her up like joan crawford this movie is set in 2019 and then all (laughs) of a sudden and then all of a sudden on the fashion runways yeah Designers we, start replicating. We it. get a little waist and big mm-hmm. shoulder pads. Yep, you know. Um, and here, not that the the unibrow became fashion in in the eighties, but you know, this is definitely a very avant garde look. It is absolutely mm-hmm. avant garde. This collar goes above the back of her head. It's completely angular. She's got the crazy spaghetti tendrils. Mm-hmm. She's got the painted on Klaus Nomi cap. She, the 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 bodice of this dress I'm, I'm is up cut of it. down to yes. her belly button, and Mia Sarah is so thin, and you don't. There's no cleavage at all. Mm-hmm. And did you notice? I never noticed before. I thought it was just titties out, but there is a nude delusion line because it's so oh, low cut. Interesting. I can see it now. You can see it now. Mm-hmm. It's so low cut. It just looks like it's open, but there's actually. A nude illusion, making a little collar right where her cleavage would be, and so it looks open, but it's just uh, it's probably holds in. Yeah, it's holding everything. But she's dancing and she's running around Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, she looks incredible. I never noticed it before. And that's one of those things that you can really see that on an yeah, HD TV yeah, now. Yeah. And so it's just a little piece of, you know, transparent fabric, probably, you know, um, is it crepe de chine? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it uh tool? Maybe. But it's almost invisible. And this look is out of control. It's amazing. It's just I mean, come on. I mean, do you think like Morgan McMichaels just has this hanging? I think Morgan does. Yeah, Morgan I think probably Morgan has would. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think this is something that you can replicate and not do a hundred percent. You could do inspirations perfect, of it, but mm-hmm. you can do versions of it. I love Mia Sarah's exchange with darkness when when she is trying to goop him and say like I want to I want to kill the unicorn or which part? I think it's the exchange right before ah, okay. that you've you've stolen my dreams. I have nothing to talk about. You've stolen my dreams away. All things change, Letty. The dreams of youth are the regrets of maturity. Dreams are my speciality. Through dreams, I influence mankind. My dream is of eternity with you. Ooh, I love it. 
I mean, it's giving me very like elder gay talking to someone young. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, I love About it. Broken dreams. Yeah. Oh man, listen up, everybody. I'm what I'm what dreams are made of, <laughs> honey. I am what dreams are made of. Um. Okay. So yeah, there. There's fashion. There's. I mean, if I am Princess Lily, I mean, I gotta weigh my options out here. Mm. I can have like this, like rolling the hay with Jack. Yeah. Tom Cruise, or I could live like a queen with darkness. Because, I mean, you know that he knows how to treat a lady right. This is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, 22-year-old Tom Cruise. Those thighs. There's a I lot mean, of thighs going on in this movie. You get uh, <laughs> Tim Curry in that yeah. chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, lifting weights. He could bench press you. You, you get fashion. <laughs> beautiful real estate. Jello molds. Great place to live. Well, we don't know what her palace looks like. We never get to see where she's from. But I mean, these medieval castles are probably a cold dump. dump. Probably not much better than what, what you get a, darkness you get a, you is giving You get a nice warm fire. Sure. Love it. Um, so we talked a lot about the, the makeup of the creatures, but we left out probably our favorite. Oh, creature she is the moment <laughs> she is mm-hmm. the moment she is the she's moment icon she's a legend mm-hmm. she's meg mucklebone ah uh. Boy, you are Jack. You don't really mean to eat me, do you, ma'am? Oh, indeed I do! <laughs> Gone too soon. I wish she was in more of that scene. Uh, so, right, the scene, the director's cut and the international cut, she is, there. It, it's a little longer. A little longer. I yeah. believe that Jack drops his sword yeah. in the water Into and the he muck. has to fish out. Yeah. So, he doesn't immediately kill her. Yeah. But, I mean... Megan Mucklebones, played by Robert Picardo. So I think Robert Picardo is... I think that he's worked with this makeup artist a lot. And he's mm. sort of... He would do his guinea pig work a lot. Sure. That whenever they wanted to try out something... Robert Picardo. They would do it on Robert. Uh, the doctor on Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, you see him a lot. He is... Uh, I mean, he's a sci-fi yeah. mainstay. He's in Total Recall. So I'm thinking that this makeup designer worked in total recall probably because he is the johnny cab character in total recall and in that movie it's his likeness they made they made this johnny cab like robot to look like uh robert picardo and um and it's, also, mm-hmm. it's so interesting that this creature is this kind of like bog witch yeah hag that just lives under you know, under the water, and she's there to like eat anybody that that like ventures into her into her bog, and she, and it's a it's a woman, it's a female character, and Robert Picardo. I mean, hey, it works. Yeah, it's it, great. <laughs> this makeup is absolutely and wild. also, I mean, it's built on like hydraulics that it's going yes. in and out of the water. Oh, you know what else? How I did they not did? drown him yeah. as they were making this scene? Yeah. You know what else Robert Picardo and I bet he did with this guy's Explorers? Oh, sure. It looks like an ex- the Explorers alien, you know? Okay. And he wore, and Robert Picardo and, and Explorers, God bless him, he wore this full body, you know, prosthetic suit as that alien in Explorers. And I, I, I definitely, I'm almost 100% sure it's the same guy because yeah. knowing Explorers the way I do, um, 
it just feels and that's i think this i think explorers was 85 as well mm-hmm. um yeah mega Marco bones it's a it's funny it's scary it's she's just this green color uh explorers. and i love that she okay yeah you did explorers and yeah. explorers is also 85 yeah is it the is it the makeup artist yep wow Rob yeah. did Explorers. I mean, Witches of Eastwick, Inner Space, RoboCop, wow. Total Recall. Picardo's, Picardo's in Inner Space. Picardo's in Total Recall. Basic Love Instinct. Yeah. Seven. Wow. Mission, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise has wow. some crazy makeup. Fight Club 2. So we did like... Wow. He did all of the fight makeup That's in that amazing. movie. Charlie's yeah. Angels. So we worked again with Tim Curry. Don't you mean crazy bitch? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a career. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Absolutely. And also, I mean, just one of those people in movies that, I mean, the last, like, 15 years, I mean, what are makeup artists doing like that now? Yeah. That it's a it's a profession that there's so much art behind it, but now with, like, digital effects, that's all just done in post now. I mean, I think now they're just like, hey, Ryan Murphy, who? what real-life person are you going to make uh mm-hmm. old Sarah Paulson look like this week because I think that's where you get it now is yeah. in movies where it's based on real people. I forget the that's guy. When you see um, a lot of makeup. Uh, I forget know, the guy that did bombshell. Yes. That mm-hmm. guy was amazing. That guy's incredible. Yeah. We just saw his name. We just saw the Academy Museum. We just saw Charlize's, uh, do they call them appliances, appliances in the yeah, biz? Yeah. We just saw the appliances yeah, at the Academy those. Museum. And they're make nowadays they're making those appliances out of silicone as mm-hmm. opposed to foam rubber and the silicone lasts forever. So you can put yeah, those out so on you display. Can put that on display. Bitch. On, I'm, I'm um, I love uh, the Meg Cashew Hero. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. Okay. I love the Meg Mucklebones. Um she tells Jack that he looks fat. <laughs> yeah, she's, I mean, she sees the. I mean, she's she's looking at those legs. She's looking Fat at those boy. like le- she's looking at those like meaty legs. Yeah, she's like she knows he's been doing there. like his his like leg workout. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not skipping leg day. No, not at all. I, I think it. it's funny that um, I guess there was a debate with the armor that Ridley Scott thought that he wanted Tom Cruise nothing to be on his arms to kind of right, have these like right, Arnold. Right arms like Conan the Barbarian yeah. and uh, the concept art guy was just like, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, no, we need to have... We yeah. need to have sleeves on him, but I mean, they left him pantsless. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess that Jack, when he was looking at the armor, didn't quite get the bottoms. Yeah. Uh, he's got the he's got the, the scalloped armor and he he's can, got like the... He can run a little better the, without them. The suede or leather, you know, arm pieces. But yeah, his those legs are bare. We got to see those... We got to see those thighs. Thighs out for the rest mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, you know, they're... The the imagery of this movie is very... Um, it's classic. You know, it's classic. Uh, you know, fairy tale I was seeing, legend. Um, you know. I was seeing kind of visual reference that Ridley Scott had were a lot of the classic Disney animated movies yeah, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Fantasia, mm-hmm. Pinocchio. I know that Bambi was a big re- visual reference for the forest, the forest. scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Jack, you can get a little Peter Pan in there, you know. Yeah. With uh, with the, the coloring and everything. Yeah, lots, but it's 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 classic fairy tale, you know. 
Um, yeah, and that's my thing is that, I mean, I just sort of suspend my disbelief with a movie like that, that I really don't have the story questions Yeah, that I feel like yeah. if you're going in, into this movie cold that you would have now, you would have a lot of issues <clears throat> with the story, the pacing, yeah. that yeah. this movie does feel like it is cut up a little bit, that there was probably a, I mean, there definitely was a better version of this movie that they whittled down to the U.S. cut. But I think that it's still very successful for me. If I, I mean, I always think of like, how did this get made? They're yeah. five star reviews. Yeah, I would be like a five star <laughs> review of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Why not five star review? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's definitely. I mean, it. just look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some. Comp- there's some. Uh, legendary, legendary <laughs> comparisons uh, of this movie to Legend of Zelda. Yeah, which I didn't play a lot of Nintendo games as a kid, so I don't really have a lot of references like that. I remember it took me very late in my childhood to realize that Zelda is not the little character that you see on the video game. <laughs> that is Link. <laughs> that is his name is not Zelda. Zelda is the princess. Yes, that is that is absolutely. Did you play any of Zelda as a kid? Ah, yes, mm-hmm. indeed, I did play. Do you want to talk a little bit about the kind of the Zelda, the legend references in Zelda was were the video games creators. I'm assuming that they were from Japan. Yes, yes. were they inspired by legend? Okay, so the story go. The story is this: uh, the Legend of Zelda, the video game, is released on the Nintendo Entertainment System in, okay. the, in the United States in 1986. Um, I believe it was released on the Famicom, which is the Japanese version of the Nintendo Entertainment System. All right. Um, the same year. I don't think it was released in 85. I believe it was released in 86 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Famicom is essentially the NES, but they got their games a little bit early because Nintendo is based in Japan. Uh, the Legend of Zelda follows uh, the title character, Zelda, is the princess. Yes. Right. Um, and there, there's a kind of solution to Princess Peach, we <laughs> right. should say. And she lives in, in Hyrule and, uh, you know, there's this evil, uh, character Ganon or Ganondorf and he, you know, puts, he whisks away Zelda and he, in some versions he kind of, you know, uh, places Hyrule into like this eternal winter and there's this character Link who is the main character and he's you play as Link. I always and, like playing as as Link when I play uh, Mario Kart. Ah, uh, yes, you do. You, you can play, play as Link. I, you play, I play with Link, Link a lot. You play Link Mario Kart I think he's a lot. Cute. Yes, and um, I like I kind of like playing as Link in um, Smash Brothers, but um, I prefer Pikachu if I'm playing Smash Brothers. But Link is a great character. I always well. get um, Legend of Zelda confused with Final Fantasy. And Very that's different. a whole nother Very discussion. Different. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so The Legend of Zelda was created by Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, and Miyamoto created Mario. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he created um, Star Fox, um, Donkey Kong. Yeah, I mean, just like classic yeah, Nintendo games from our childhood. Nintendo games. It is Miyamoto. He is 
he's the one. He's like the Walt Disney of like mm-hmm. Nintendo, right? And he he kind of is credited as creating the Legend of Zelda series. So the thing is, you know, nowadays uh, video game production it's like a movie it could take yeah a year two I years mean, three years to create a, a what video was game. that what was that video game with keanu reeves that took like years for it to come out and then it was still bombed and then it bombed Cyber, yeah cyberpunk or something mm-hmm. like that yeah um but at the time nes games didn't take quite as long but the timing didn't quite work out for him to have seen legend mm-hmm. And then say, I'm going to make Zelda. So both probably being developed at the same right. time. And he has gone on to say, which this is the wildest statement ever, but he has, but I believe it's 100% true, that The Legend of Zelda was inspired by his youth in Japan exploring the forests and caves of the islands. I mean, Japan's a very beautiful place. That is absolutely so, wild. That is some yeah. um, spirited away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, there's just wild mythology in yeah. Japan. So I get it. Ugh, I love that. When mm-hmm. I read that, I was like, oh my god, my childhood was garbage. I love that. I was not exploring caves. I and mean, forests. I grew up like living in the. For I out loud. grew up a out of town kid. I was ex- so I, I was exploring Eva's I, liquor. I did the- like dude did my fair sharing my fair share of exploring yeah. forests, but. Probably not anything like oh, that. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. My like scrapbook of like an adventure today was like walking down to the fucking like King's Market. <laughs> um, so he was inspired by you know his magical you know upbringing in Japan. So that's incredible. So that's incredible, but not quite the legend matchup, right? But the Legend of Zelda does have many, many, many sequels and iterations over the different platforms of nintendo so maybe like the game well by developers the developers t- saw legend and then were inspired well by the time we get to the legend of zelda the ocarina of time which was released for uh the nintendo 64 this game was heavily influenced by legend. Is there like a Tim Curry character in it? Uh, well, that, the, that sort the, of looks like darkness. The Ganondorf character in this movie, his iteration has horns, mm-hmm. has hooves, and in, and in this game, Ganondorf does sink Hyrule into okay winter. Yeah, so there like are, the like the story of legend. Yes, when he takes uh, when he takes Zelda. So um, and forgive me, hardcore gamers with a gay. If I'm not getting the Ocarina of Time, you know, storyline correct. But the basic skeletal structure is that. And um, it is on record that that um, Miyamoto has said that. It was a big inspiration. He, the, yeah, yeah. Yes, that he he does love the movie Legend. And he did incorporate those elements into into later works. I mean, and, it's, and it's, specifically, it's very on brand. Specifically yep. Ocarina of Time, yes. And um, so, yeah, so... Um, it wasn't exactly this movie that inspired the game in itself, but l- in later on versions. Um, Ocarina of Time was released. It was for Nintendo 64, so it was released in 1998. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. And, you know, when you do see the character of Link, but... The traditional link from the is first blonde, Legend of right? Zelda. He is blonde. Mm-hmm. He is he is canonically blonde. Yes, and he does have the little 
His little hat? The little Peter Pan hat. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a little bit more influenced by the, uh, the Disney Peter Pan character. But, you know, those those themes are still – they're still there. Those threads are there. But, I mean, you know, Legend, this movie is definitely just – I mean, it is a fairy tale, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it just does have these influences from all over – just Western culture. I want to track down the references that I think Ridley Scott was inspired by of, I think it's Russian fairy, Russian or uh, German oh, sure. fairy tales yeah, yeah, that yeah. I think these were movies probably from like the 60s Yeah, that they would do. Yeah. I, I need to track them There's down. There's some interesting little references in there and mm-hmm. they said the titles of the movies, but there is yeah. nothing that we, I was we need to go back and, with. We need to go back and get them. Yeah. I love, I love, I love all that shit. It. Yeah. And also, I mean, the Cocteau Beauty and the Beast, too. I think that was a big inspiration for the visual look of this movie, just Just because... Any slow-motion shot of Mia Sarah I mean, that movie (laughs) is so iconic, and it's so loved by filmmakers that a movie like that you have to reference in a movie like Legend. And I did read mm -hmm. that, that... Ridley Scott didn't want to be tied down to an existing story. Yes. He didn't want to just do Beauty and the Beast. He didn't want to do like a Snow White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to, to create his own. Yeah, to create something new and not have, you know, constraints that maybe, maybe, uh, you know, hundreds, multi-hundred-year-old fairy tale might not work so well mm-hmm. in a visual medium because he was like, I want to make a movie. Yeah. And if I make a fairy tale that's already there that I might be tied down to things that might not fit well. So let's, I want to create let's my do own a movie from the ground up, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, and this is what I we get. And this is a very eighties version of, of that, you know? And um, I mean, it's the, it's beautiful. In my opinion, it's the crown jewel of eighties fantasy movies. 80s it's fantasy. so good. It, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. It's, it's definitely elevated, you mm-hmm. know, and um, there are movies like, you know, like crawl, and uh, Dragon Slayer, which are a little bit more lean, a little bit more serious or more adult. But those, even like Dragon Slayer, has stuff that it's like I don't want to show kids Dragon Slayer. There's some mm-hmm. weird shit going on in that. The dragon like- stuff is kind of <laughs> scary too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When yeah. he goes and finds the little the little baby dragons, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So sometimes they skew a little too adult. You know, the Conan movies are like, oh, hey, all right, slow down there. But I think this one is. It's elevated. It's good for adults. You can watch it and you don't feel like you're just watching a kid's movie. But I also feel like kids can watch it and not be bored Mm -hmm. and not be just scarred for Yeah. I mean, also, I mentioned at the top of the show, this is one of those movies that I kind of have blinders with. That it's been a part of my life for that long that I take its bag Mm -hmm. of crazy Mm -hmm. for granted that this movie doesn't work for a lot of people that I talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Like, movies... It's okay that movies aren't for everyone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, but it's for us and we hope it's for you. And would you recommend people to watch... The theatrical or the director's I would start with the theatrical and it's something that you are intrigued in, then do a little do a little like digging and find the other cuts of the movie and kind of go down the crazy story of the making of this movie because it's really fascinating. I agree as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean any final thoughts on legend before we wrap it up? I think it's I think it's time to uh I mean this movie I mean this movie just has it all. Yeah. It has Tim Curry 
I mean, it's Ridley Scott. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're afraid of, you know, I don't know, Gladiator. <laughs> I mean, we are. Uh, I mean, kind of Ridley Scott movies. The reviews for House of Gucci just came out this week, uh, and they are very hot and cold to people. Yes, yes, and yes. it kind of reminds me of how a movie like this was received. Sure, that totally. you, people were either into it or they were not. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and also we have yet to discuss the Brian Ferry song. Oh yeah, the Brian Ferry song, and also I loved I, I love the Loved by the Sun that Tangerine Dream did with the lead singer of Yes. I just found out that that it's the lead singer of Yes. Oh, okay. but this is Brian Ferry, okay. and this is also sort of built into the score at times for the Tangerine yes. Dream cut. That's true. That's true. Which I which I love. I I, I appreciate. I mean, we were of... just talking about songs from eighties movies, yeah, and how movies really aren't made like that anymore. That you really don't yeah. get great pop ballads yeah. for Theme movies songs. anymore. Yeah, this yeah, music video is incredible. <laughs> it's Brian Ferry in this crazy puffy jacket, <laughs> and he's singing to this wall that's projecting the movie. And That's he's, so like, cool. walking down these stairs. It is the most <laughs> 80s yeah. music video to a movie yeah. ever. I love early 80s music videos because they're very much like they weren't really... They were still experimenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? like, like yeah. we just... We, we booked the soundstage yeah. for the weekend, yeah. and we're going to have Brian Ferry sing on the staircase <laughs> as we're projecting the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I second everything you say. I feel like I would recommend... Um, if you're going to rent this movie or, you know, if you can find certain versions, I would say start with the, the theatrical cut. It's, um, it's tight. It's quicker. It's, it goes down easy. And I mean, I don't know if you have weird, uh, you know, thoughts about Tom Cruise, we're right there with you. I am very hesitant about seeing new Tom Cruise movies just because I just he's got that's a lot but, there's I mean, a lot but I give Tom Cruise a lot of shit but there is something about Tom Cruise that does just sort of crackle on screen yeah that there is a quality there's about a him reason. that I mean, he's that is yeah. a movie star yeah there's a reason he's like and the biggest movie star it's kind of a bummer now that world. he just makes these huge high profile sequels and he just doesn't really do yeah. the crazy interview with the vampire or Magnolia character pieces anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, I we de- but definitely recommend. Tom Cruise running around in his armor and no pants, those yeah. legs, yeah. that I mean, hair, the sexy darkness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Absolutely. is darkness a gay icon? I think so. Yes, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. So yeah, so go out and find this movie and um, enjoy. We 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 sure yeah, do. I we love watch it. it all we the watch time. it a lot. Yeah. So I have three copies of this movie now. Yeah, we have a DVD. I have the DVD, a Blu-ray. the Blu-ray because I wasn't happy with how the transfer looked on our TV mm-hmm. at the time. So I got the Blu-ray and we just got the Arrow edition of it. This Arrow video. Oh, they pulled edition. out. They pulled out the stops with this it's Arrow great. edition. Yeah, the Annie Leibovitz um, lobby cards that yeah. she did. All the publicity stills for this movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of anything that looks studio shot. I think those are all Annie Leibovitz photos. Yeah. So if you can find that, track it down. Um, it's probably not available online. We had to go to an actual brick and mortar video store to find it, but we found it. So, mm-hmm. but we definitely I mean, recommend. Or you it. could just go to Arrow.com. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. But I mean, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm fine. I'm glad that we finally got to this movie. Uh, and this too. is a movie that followers of, followers of the podcast and I have talked about. Legend. It was mentioned in a uh, a user like a listener review. Oh yeah, of Legend it was, yeah. that I kind of perked up and it made me think about this movie again that we needed to get to it. Yeah. So whoever you are that wrote that video, uh, that wrote that review, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm and, glad that we uh, got to it. Yes. And uh, thanks for listening again. This was this was a really fun episode. But um, I think we've got some other business to get to now mm-hmm. that we are at that point in the episode. Uh, we have some... Let's see. We've got some Patreon. Patreon shout-outs. Shout outs. Yes, indeed. Yay. Yay. We've got a new patron. Yay. Yay. Alberto. Alberto. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much. For being a friend and for joining our Patreon. Um, we've got lots of really fun stuff on there. But before we get to that, let's just say hello to everybody. Hey, hello. Travis. Well, Alberto, first and foremost. Travis, Esperanza, Nicole, Susan, Barry, JJ, Layton, Shelby, Merle, Michael, Charlie, Heather, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Dawn, Josh, Emily, Millie, Aaron, Melinda, Jim, Jessica, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. Thank you so Thanks much, so much. everybody. Head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. And we get newsletters that come out every month. Mm-hmm. Our watch with us commentary. Mm-hmm. We did three last month. We need to do our commentary for this month yes, still. Indeed. There'll be a new one coming up for November, but you did get three for October. So mm-hmm. how about that? And um, we're working on some other fun stuff. So uh, keep checking back and um, head over to patreon.com slash movies and made us And I think we got a new uh, user review. Did you want to read it, Pete? We did. We got a new user review over on Apple Podcasts. This is from Apple Podcasts user Library B. Uh, TGIF exclamation point Scott and Pete make every Friday even better with a new episode of their hilarious and witty podcast I started with episodes about movies that I loved I then went down the path of movies I missed and I wonder how I ever skipped them every episode is like a party and they always have unbelievable insights into the films I am always amazed when I learn something new about a movie I've watched dozens of times you can't stop the movies with this five star podcast oh my goodness thank you so much so much that was so much fun yeah um head over to apple podcast and write us a review Mm -hmm. we'll read it on an episode just like this one and um smash those five stars subscribe like do all that crazy stuff Um, follow us on the instagram and twitter Twitter at MTMUG Pod mm-hmm. on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. Yes, indeed. Give us a follow. And um, we got a lot of stuff going on on social media. Yeah, we're very active over there. I can't believe that we're approaching to the later half of the year. Like, I'm finishing up the schedule and we're <laughs> almost done yeah. with 2021. Yeah. Just what the hell? I can't believe it. Crazy. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah. So, go ahead and follow us all over there. And, uh, hey, maybe we'll follow you back. We'll give you a shout out. But um, you can follow us individually. My name is Pete. I am at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter and Scott Youngballer on Instagram. Yes, indeed. Uh, so go check us out. Thank you so much, everybody, 
We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.